0: Welcome to Acme Talks and Live Events. You are listening to a podcast from the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. This talk has been recorded in front of a live studio audience. This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes, which may not be suitable for younger audiences and the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Acme.
1: Um, hi, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm going to just briefly introduce our panellists today and thank you so much for being here. I think we're going to have a good chat and we hope that you'll ask some questions at the end. We'll send a little mic around to ask those questions. Um, so, to introduce you properly... Sean, I'll start with you in the middle. Um, Sean has directed over 40 music videos for a number of Australian bands, including Missy Higgins, not a band, a person, Silver Chair, Bob Evans, also a man, um, The Living End and Birds of Tokyo. And he has made a number of television commercials and has also made documentaries such as Phantom Island and short films, including The Irving Hand Prophecy. Um, his work has been nominated for five ARIA Awards, no less, for music video direction. So thank you, Sean, for coming. <laughs> um, David. Um, David is a cinematographer and director who has worked on a number of music videos uh, with The Fumes, Fumes? Fumes, Washington, Hancock's Basement, Intercooler and Snacodactyl. Um, He's won a number number of Australian Cinematographers' Society Awards for his work uh, as a director of photography and was also selected to attend the prestigious Mm -hmm. Budapest Cinematographers' Masterclass in Hungary in 2009. So thank you for coming, David. And last but definitely not least, Emma Freeman. Um, Today, Emma has rushed over here from um, shooting Offspring, And uh, she has also worked on um, four music videos for Coco Rosie, which we'll look at tonight. And she's directed episodes for popular television shows, including The Secret Life of Us, Love My Way and Puberty Blues. And Emma has won a number of awards, including the Australian Film Institute Award for Best Director of the TV drama Hawk in 2010. This is a very brief introduction for all of them, but thank you so much. I'm going to So just to situate this panel in the, in the context of Spectacle, the music video exhibition, which is on at the moment in our gallery one until the 23rd of Feb. So if those of you who haven't been to see it, you must. It is still on for a little while longer. Um, these panels really um, give us the opportunity to get up real close and ask you um, the juicy questions, behind-the-scenes stuff, and reveal things about the music videos sometimes we know or introduce us to, to new ones perhaps in your music video arsenal. As uh, Kate mentioned, um, I helped put together Spectacle with um, Fiona Trigg, who's over there, naughtily. And and Spectacle showcases music videos around uh, over three hundred, and looks at it from its roots in cinema and early television days through to MTV and Countdown. And really, thinking in the show, we've had the opportunity to think about how music video has fractured, expanded, and developed over time. It was curated by uh, Flux, a music video collective based in LA, um, and Flux is Jonathan and Meg Wells, um, and they're very active in the music video community as makers and contributors to the art form. Um, I'm going to start with a really broad question for each of you. I was going to ask you something else, but I think think we need to start with the idea of relevance. And I think uh, we'll get into specifics, but I think it would be good to start with why each of you think music video is still relevant when you know, we're, looking on it at, we're looking at them on our phones often and maybe we can just start with that, that broad sort of notion. Why, why do we still care about music videos? Why are they still relevant? What do you think?
0: Well, I think they're a visual representation of the music and although we can hear the music and be moved by it, I think there's another layer in actually seeing it and, and realising um, what the artist has in mind. So I know for, for my example, something like Child Bride, I think was a very moving song. Certainly when I first heard it, I was moved. But I think it did take it to the next level when you could see it. So I think it um, the visual medium offers... Um, a great prism into the emotional world.
1: Mm. And we will get into this notion of collaboration Mm. with the artist and also the idea that sometimes, and you may disagree Mm. with this, but music video can be like filmmaking with song Mm. rather than words or narrative, Mm. for example. So... Perhaps I'll cut to the chase. Why don't you make music videos anymore so
2: much? <sighs> They're too hard. Because
1: <laughs> that's about the budget thing we were talking
2: yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, there was a period there where it was... I um, actually um, had a production company that I um, co-founded with another fantastic uh, filmmaker called Sarah-Jane Woolahan and um, we did a lot of music videos, and I think it was just a really wonderful little golden period of a, of a period of over five years or so where... Um, we were able to actually base a business out of it, um, but in order to do that, in order to keep making your music videos, you have to keep stretching friendships, you have to keep asking favors, mm-hmm. um, and you know you 've run out after a while, or you just can 't you know it 's just' it 's a lot' Cause the video the budgets aren 't great very rarely do you get a budget that will reflect what you want to do, i guess in that music video and that 's just the nature of the Australian industry, but you always look at them as uh, a showcase—it's something that you really invest in when you do a music video. So it was—it was an interesting juggling act to kind of try and make a sustainable business out of it, but also then keep not just treat it like a job, keep treating each music video um, with that passion that brought you there in the first place, mm-hmm. which is to, um, as Emma was saying, it's really about contributing a visual accompaniment to a song. Uh, and, uh, and that becomes part of the way people enjoy the music then, so, uh, and it's going to be around for a long time.
1: Mm. Um, and so to step back a little bit, I mean, that's why I find it so interesting to know how long the shoot took and how long you're in post, and I'm going to ask each of you that sort of thing, because where the budget's are so small, you can't afford the time, and as you say, it's a real sort of labour of love in many ways. Um, so, for example, that one, how, how long were you shooting and how long were you in? One day. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a $15,000 music video, um, which was, it's, you know, that, for what we did... Stretched. It, stretch well. it <laughs> was stretched. I mean, I didn't, get, I didn't make any money out of that one. Um, and that was fine, because I entered into that straight up front with going, I, I like these guys, I like this song, I want to really try and do something... And uh, But, you know, the pre-production, we, again, wrangled lots of deals, got a space to shoot it in, um, wrangled in lots of help for free to do, there's a lot of art department because all of that, all of those sets were built um, or backdrops painted and stuff like that. So, you know, you, so there's a really great core group of people up in Brisbane that I work with over and over again who just continually come to the party and deliver more than what you could have expected which is, which is what you want <laughs> well it's it's not only them bringing but they have connections you know so um, chris cox who was the production designer who did this had a scenic artist mate that he'd just worked on a sort of a telly movie with and employed him so he called in a I guess a favor if you like and said hey how about painting some backdrops so that sky and uh, the bar that the guy's sitting in is just a bar set and that brick wall is just painted on canvas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's very collaborative in that way that you can't, you can't do these things unless you've really got a trusted network of people as well that you can draw from and they're willing to jump in with you and, and try and do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, $15,000. Then I was working for a production company at the time and they take out overheads so you end up with a smaller budget. And that's just the way it goes. And uh, it was a one-day shoot, a couple of days of pre and, uh, I don't know, maybe two weeks to edit it.
1: Yach? So I, I want to talk about collaboration with, mm. with the artists and that conversation. Are you pitching? Uh, how are you... Does a conversation with the band develop over time? I mean, obviously it, you've got... It's different for
2: different situations. With The Birds of Tokyo, it came through um, the label and... Uh, They just wanted to get some treatment ideas. And I think, look, I I believe that they just approached me to throw in an idea, a couple of ideas, and not have to pitch for it, which is great, because I hate pitching rounds. They suck. And most of the work that I've ever done has never actually been through, like, winning a pitch or a tender on it. It's been through a relationship developed with the label or a band. Um, but so that th- th- was kind of lucky with these guys. Um, but it took some workshopping of the idea. The, the first idea I sent through wasn't just accepted and embraced. Um, it there were elements of that that wanted, they wanted to change. But it wasn't a, necessarily a direct conversation with the band. It was through management. Um, and it, so yeah.
1: Because um, I I think it's interesting, and I know we'll talk about this with Emma, um, where a band has a particular, I'm going to use an ugly word, branding, and how you're thinking about that or keeping that in mind when you're coming up with concepts. I mean, that's obvious that you are, but, and how are you trying to push that, or, like, what are you doing with that idea? Uh,
2: um, It's interesting because these guys were not relaunching themselves, but this was the song, unbeknownst at the time, that was, that sort of shot Birds of Tokyo into a really commercial realm, Mm -hmm. and that Song got flogged to death. Um, they had an idea of what they want. It's hard for you to know exactly what. Um, there is some reference material that's shared, so you kind of start to hone in on on ideas. But for me, it sort of starts with like I don't know. I wanted to use like if I'm being honest, I just wanted to use a slow motion camera, that, <laughs> like the Photron camera that shoots yeah, you know, ten thousand frames per yeah, second. What
1: you shot on? That so that that's the start. Question.
2: That was a yeah. starting point, bec- and then it. But what I've really what that footage opens up is exploration of moments of time where one tiny moment of time can become, you know, one frame can, uh, can become a minute or something mm-hmm. like that. So, so it was playing with those ideas um, and, uh, and, they, and it was a bit of a hard sell to get those guys into it because, you know, you had to convince them that just because you're shooting at 5,000 frames a second doesn't mean your video clip is going to be one shot you know, it's still going to be edited, they had this idea, oh, is it going to slow it down too much? And so you've got, to, you've got to kind of convince and cajole and massage to still do what you want to do, knowing that you think this, this is going to be the right direction to go, but you might have to convince them a little bit. And there were some story elements that needed workshopping as well. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there, then you get some really weird stuff happening, like, you know, there's the shot of the guy, he's the bass player, he's not in the band anymore, who throws the ball at the TV and it smashes... And you do an edit, and that you know that fits. That's designed to go at that part of the song. And then you get feedback back from the label, saying, you know, oh, we're not too sure about the angry ethnic guy uh, throwing the thing. And you're like, he's the bass player in the <laughs> band. This is your band. You realise that he's actually in the Birds of Tokyo. That must have and
1: been a fun email to write back, though.
2: I mean, I mean it's just flab- you're just thinking, oh my god, like what? And but what they're thinking is, are they going to alienate? X and Y demographic of this um, mm. age bracket of young mm. girls or something like that. And, th- and seriously, that's what they're saying. They're worried about these demographics. Yeah, well,
1: that's why I think branding <coughs> is an interesting idea thinking about it. I mean, budget's not the only limitation that you're yeah. faced with when making music videos. It's just, you know, what time is it going to be played on Rage? Is, is it oh, ever yeah. going to hit that sort of mainstream screening time? That, these sorts of questions. Yeah. I feel like I'm racing through, but I'm going to continue okay. jogging at least. Um, because I don't want to run out of time for the questions that maybe will elicit some conversation between you. Right now I've separated you out and I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to make an unintentionally glib statement about the, the the way that your works kind of connect actually. I was thinking today um, about colour palette and how that was probably in terms of what we'll watch today the, probably the brightest clip <laughs> um, in terms of bright, vibrant colour and rather what comes to the fore for me when I'm sort of comparing your work is this textural quality and, I mean, I'm thinking about a lot of contemporary art, of contemporary moving image that really draws on that and, of course, like for me, like Daniel von Sturmer's work really comes through in that particular clip but I can think about it as well for both Sean and Emma. Um, but can we have a little chit-chat about colour and about... How, I mean, are you storyboarding or how, how how do you think about colour when you're making, I mean, that, maybe this is a really tricky question in a way because we need to think about the content and we need to think that's about a, the story.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one because um, I guess in regards to that clip, um, yeah, the directors came to me and were like, we need a house that we can that looks like it's from the 70s that we can demolish and cover in black paint. And, and I, I looked at them and told them they were idiots. Cause, um, but um, somehow they found this, that place, which was out in Mooney Ponds, I think, and it was actually being set to be demolished. And, um, yeah, it looked like it was from the 70s, and it all just kind of fit in. I actually felt extremely bad. Being in there and covering it in paint because I was like, "This is a really cool house." <laughs> but but it, yeah, it was being set to be demolished, and the I think they just you know bought the construct. The guy was demolishing in a cart in the beer, and he was like, "Yeah, go on, I don't care." <laughs> um, so yeah, but so it, it, in that respect, all the colours were quite, you know, they, they were there. Like they, we wouldn't really foresee them as such. But then when we got there, I'm like, you know, it kind of all came together. And I guess because they were bright colours, they really worked with the with the black paint mm. in that respect. So sometimes it, it does just kind of, some the, the colour schemes and stuff like that just come out of nowhere mm. like that. Like, come from the materials. Yeah, side, yeah, yeah. Especially when you don't have, you know, like I guess on the, if you had the money on a bigger budget clip, you could find a place or you'd build a set and you'd paint the walls the colour you want or you'd find somewhere it's being demolished and you repaint or re- um, wallpaper the place or whatever but you know and that you're just kind of like okay this is, is is what it is but the you know the greens and the everything works mm. and the brown contrast yeah what
1: about for you emma in terms of color palette i was just looking at your work today and thinking so much about it
0: yeah well i'm really um it means a lot to me um i think the two clips we're going to see today uh we're on fire I wanted it to look like a bruise, strangely enough, And so the whole palette was the many colors of a bruise. Um, child bride, the only color I really wanted was red, which was the which you'll see is the color of the child bride's wedding gown. So I feel like I'm really particular, and then again, in the grade, you obviously have, you know you can manipulate that color or, or push it. But mm. I think, for me, that creates such a mood. And
1: And that's part of your collaboration with Coco Rosie, which is yes. re- repeat customers.
0: Yes, they are repeat customers, but my videos seem very depressing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank that, you for uh, that. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: I apologise. <laughs> I depress you now.
1: But can you talk... Um, um, casting and like you know, use the band. They're we're filming a performance, um, or you're grabbing whoever you can mm-hmm. to come in and chip in. But obviously, for this clip, it really hinged on the performance of your child bride.
0: Yeah, and I didn't meet her before she turned up. I saw a photo of her, and just had uh, kind of a feeling about her. And she'd never acted before, and it was a mystery. And she was incredible. We actually had an extraordinary experience on set where we were doing that lip sync and she had done it twice and wasn't connecting at all and John Brawley the cinematographer is here tonight so he was in the room, him and I and the focus puller and I had a few words to her. I mean she's an eight-year-old girl but I had a few words to her and we played the song and she just did that take and it was incredibly special that she could do that. She didn't really know what the video was about. Her mother knew, but she didn't know what it was about. So it was interesting that she connected to, I guess, a feeling or mood. She's probably thinking, what am I doing wandering around with this mask on? But in years to come, maybe she'll appreciate it. And that
1: sort of leads to a question about how long each of you spend with lyrics or how, I mean, often timelines would dictate that you don't have long, it's sort of like a, you know, gut reaction and perhaps you have to go quite quickly into production of the music video, but you have a long-ish standing collaboration with Coco Rosie.
0: Yeah, and they're very particular, like they're, um, you know, quite famous for sacking Gondry for their video and... You know, I know the girls really well and know what they like, so I think that that's a consideration. But How did you get to
1: know them? Sorry, just um,
0: They're that. composing the music for my feature film and um, so, you know, I really got to know them and so I knew what they liked. But it's also what I like as well, so I think that makes a difference that whenever I've received a song, immediately I've thought of the idea and they completely leave me alone. Um, I don't deal with the label, I deal directly with them. Um, I cut everything myself, I send them edits of the of the clips and we deal direct. And I think that that's great because we're not considering, well, clearly the commercial element of, of the video or when it's going to be played. We're just making what we think is right for the song.
1: Mm. And how long, for example, Child Bride, how long did you spend with that song before...
0: Well, interestingly, I was going to go to Nepal and shoot an actual child wedding. And at the time, monsoon season came in and I had to think of a new idea. So very much we set the videos in a fable world and sort of trying to create our own worlds. And so it really was an opportunity to do that. So it happened quite quickly. Like we turned that around in about two weeks and shot it over a weekend and then I rushed up to Puberty Blues and would edit after I was shooting Puberty Blues. What so a was combo. Com- yeah, it was. <laughs>
1: it's very strange. Wow. I'm yeah. um, thinking about Sean's comment from earlier about um, slow motion being expanded time and it still can be extremely dynamic rather than being a, 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 slow, a slowing down of time. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm wondering how you plan a shoot like
0: that. Well, actually, I was experimenting with the Phantom camera, which is what I use, years ago. I did a video installation back in 2008 (laughs) where I tested the the Phantom. And at that point, no-one was really using it. It was kind of at the beginning. And prior to that, it was just used for explosions. And I was really interested in the idea of taking... Um, you know, this kind of hardware that's used for car crashes and... and scientific. Yeah, scientific. scientific but, yeah. yeah, and actually applying that to, to you know, drama or to you know, imagery like this. So I had tested that out and, and was always thinking that one day I would make a video with Coco Rosie that we, we could use that. And this one seemed perfect given it was all about, you know, night... And transcendence in a way. So thought that that really added to the to the feel of the video. And now watching that, it just reminds me of Coven. <laughs> 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 that stake. Um, time is not
1: being very kind to us tonight, and um, I want to open it up very shortly to um, audience questions. But I'm not quite finished with you all. Um, I. Each of you are filmmakers. You've made short films, and I want to put the commercials to the side. I think because we've talked a bit about budget, and um, I want to ask you each about the, the points of intersection between the video, music video making work, and and the filmmaking. Um, and there's an, an, a link that you um, suggested before, Emma, about the sound. I mean, the sound for your feature film that you're yeah. Making. Well,
0: obviously the connection with Coco Rosie with sound, but also. Which I found interesting is that, you know, people often think that music video is a place for experimentation. But interestingly, uh, John Brawley who shot Child Bride, we were experimenting with a red epic camera with that slow-mo on Offspring, and I shot the final episode of Offspring last series, and that's what we applied to Child Bride. So that was kind of an interesting thing, that we were merging, <laughs> and no-one would ever think that Offspring it's would have an impact <laughs> on <laughs> 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 Um But it did. And we were testing out that style on, on Offspring and it really worked for that. Mm.
1: What, what about for you, Sean? Do you... The, the, a point of intersection that you can think of <clears throat> that, um, where your filmmaking work and your music video work really kind of complement each other? Or perhaps cause a... A friction or a limitation
2: um, I, I guess I mean, I guess for all of us, it really comes down to telling stories at the heart of it, so while music videos are abstract and poetic and metaphorical and all of these things, at the heart of it, there is a story that 's being told so um, and that 's what draws me to filmmaking it 's that idea of being able to express a story and a music video is. A wonderful way to be able to do it because there is such a scope, uh, and you're given a soundtrack to the mm. film already. So, what sort of story are you going to tell within that? Um, but I am interested so in
1: how. Sorry to interrupt you, but I am interested in how the planning for that differs. In that, do you approach or have you in the past approached a music video with a sort of that taking abstraction as your sort of okay? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with it, and then your filmmaking, your planning out more directly or it, does it does it manifest in the planning for for the shoots or are you planning meticulously for the music video as you would for the filmmaking
2: um you mean like if i was doing a documentary yeah well there's much more meticulous planning that when goes into the music videos than the documentary especially the doc the, the feature documentary that i made was really very loose and it spanned a long time and happened in little bursts of energy and had a lot of false starts. So it was, that was really about trying to see where the story is. There is a story here, and it's a story that needs to be told, but I'm not sure how to do it yet. are searching because for because it. Because the ingredients mm-hmm. aren't right there, the right character's not right there. And that particular documentary actually was probably two, 18 months or two years in, to that before the main character turned up, and suddenly all the stars came into alignment, and it was all meant to be, and he was the vehicle for being able to do that. So it was planning in the sense that you had to be open, and you had to stay committed, I guess, to to doing it. Once we'd started along that line, it was it was a story that needed to be told, and it was you know it was no real question of giving up on it. But that's that's very loose, um, and. Of course, to a music video, it's, I mean, to shoot something in one day like that takes a fair bit of planning, even if that goes out the window on the day, which usually it does. <laughs> so you get to lunchtime and you're thinking, why have we only just started rolling the camera? And this seems to happen every single time. And yet, so you get to the end of the day and you somehow manage to squeeze it all in. But it does take a lot of planning and coordination to get all the ingredients there in the first place to, to do that. I don't and know if that answers your question. It,
1: it does. And for those of us who are lazy Googlers, what is the title of your documentary so we can look at it later?
2: Uh, it's called Phantom Island. It's, it's spelt the f- French way, F-A-N-T-O-M-E. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you, you won't find it on... You can go to the website and you can order one from me. <laughs> I'll send you one. <laughs> I want 5% now. <laughs> Uh, yeah uh, uh, it's, it's a documentary about uh, Phantom Island's an island up in off the coast of north queensland it 's next to Palm Island, which is an Aboriginal community, which most of you have probably heard of. Um, Phantom Island has a, a, a parallel history, um, and this documentary focuses mainly on the indigenous leprosarium that was established there that ran from about 1939 to the mid' '70s um, and it became the place where any um, it was Aboriginal South Sea Islander. Um, Pacific Islander Queenslanders who were diagnosed with leprosy were basically thrown on a train which they dubbed the death train um, with special leprosy carriages and sent their patients up to the island and were shipped out there. So the, the story centres around a man called Joe who is in his mid-70s now who, who spent 10 years from the ages of 7 to 17 growing up,
0: mm-hmm. taken
2: from his family and sent to the island. And it's... And, He's pretty much one of the few survivors, there's only a handful, uh, and he's the only one that we came across who could tell a story and tells it so beautifully and eloquently and and Mm. reflects on his own life and has such a great memory. So that's it in a nutshell, I suppose.
1: Sounds amazing. Um, David, before we... Open up to the audience for questions <laughs> I wanted to talk about something that we don't really have time to get into I, I don't have feel like we have time to, to show a flame I and I think this is a, a common a common thing you have with Emma where you've both worked in a sort of um, a video, there, video art sits somewhere in in what you do. That's an interest. I mean, obviously, it's an interest for all of you, but you've you've worked Emma's um, constructed an, an video installation, and you feel that a flame. Um, by sorry, what was the artist's name? Timothy Coghill. Yeah. Um, really, for you, sits like a, a, a video artwork. Do you mm. want to talk about that briefly, well, about I how you that's... approach it differently, perhaps?
3: Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing with music videos is that it does open those kind of areas for you that are where, I guess, um, like with that Timothy Coghill thing where it was like a director came to me and he was like, he had a, a musician, a composer approach him and say, I want visuals for a, for, for a performance. Um, so we went and shot something, and was it
1: as broad as that? I want, I want. Yeah,
3: yeah, pretty much. It was just like I'm doing a performance. It was, it's very um, compositional, so it's very soundtracky sort of music. Um, and yeah, he wanted something to project behind him because it was like a, on, at a performance. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting because it's not. It's kind of a weird middle ground between where it's kind of a music video, but it kind of isn't. Mm. Um, obviously, we we released it with the track underneath it. Just you know. So we can see if it worked with the music, mm. um, but I guess in the same respect yeah you do they do kind of diverge and you know you get you get weird sort of outcomes out of working with musicians and artists where you end up making stuff for them that 's not necessarily. A music video, or a short film, and stuff like that. I sitting some, in a
1: space Yeah, place.
3: I did some stuff for for Meg Washington a while back where she needed some visuals for her, like an opera house performance. So we shot some stuff for her on like a, a you know three hundred frames on an Epic as well. and seems to be the going thing at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was interesting, because it's sort of like, you, you, you know, you do, and you, you get to know those artists and what their aesthetic is, and, 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 we and can't it can't help
1: infiltrate... Yeah, 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 and process. it
3: becomes like a... You are making, like, sort of artwork with them in that respect, mm. and, and especially when it becomes to that point where you're just, like, you're not necessarily making it as a music video on a promotional material, you're making something kind of else with them. and. Mm you know, as in collaborating on on a soundtrack or something like that. Yeah,
1: great. Um, I want to end by asking you, um, each of you, what you're working on or what you will be working on in the near future, but perhaps we have um, a couple of uh, questions from the audience, if we have time. Don't be shy. Mm Uh, I'm just oh, sorry, do you mind oh, waiting for the mic? Because we're, oh, we're actually sorry. making a podcast and we want to hear your questions. We're <laughs> all being recorded. I'm just interested to know, um, from the beginning ideas, I've heard, we heard about you wanting to use a
2: particular camera or going for a particular colour. I'm wondering, do you actually see the clip in your mind before you shoot it and how different is it, your initial you know,
0: ideas or images, to the, to the end result? That's a nice question. That's drastically different. (laughs) (laughs) See, for me, it's really... um, There's obviously things that are spontaneous on the day that you're capturing, but I've got to say, in particular, we were on fire. It felt kind of exactly how I had imagined. And I wasn't sure what, you know, Sierra and Bianca would look like flying through the air, but that's what I had hoped. And so it was very much... um, Perhaps I was lucky... (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, it, I guess it, it's different for different situations and different jobs sometimes you kind of envisage something comes to you and uh, it, it's always going to be different I think for me um, you know, I'm not a, an artist where I can express things on paper I can bring together reference material but I'm, um, but I'm also very interested to see what kind of alchemy mm-hmm. is going to happen on set at the same time mm-hmm. But certainly by the time you start to approach when you're going to shoot, you know where co- what, what you're dealing with, costumes and art direction and things like that start to come together. So you do start to get a, a particular image. Um, but sometimes under those pressures of time and everything, you're just throwing a lot of ingredients in there with an intent, but it's also just trying to see what will come out of it at the same time. And hopefully you're surprised. Mm. Um, By that end result, um, over and above what you had conceived originally.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Did you want to add
3: anything? Um, Well, yeah. I guess what Sean was saying. I guess yeah. Like it's it's hard to get. You know, that's the the hardest part of filmmaking is getting what's in your head and getting it out there, and you know, letting you know twenty or so other people actually, you know, Mm -hmm. visualize that same thing. So I guess you get down there and yeah and i guess like most of the time it is is a pleasant surprise and you and you end up with something and i guess that that's the that's the great thing about it though it's not necessarily exactly what you had in your head but you get there and you're like oh this is kind of cool yeah like, i think that's, not, not, that's not, you know it makes you think about it in a different way and yeah.
2: i think that's a good point it's because yeah. you it is and it is ultimately the collaboration between mm. a whole lot of different people bringing elements together you're mm. somehow guiding the process but you're also open to what everyone else is going to do as well
1: so rather than a strict i mean this is typical curator question but rather than strict storyboarding or drawing perhaps Mm -hmm. uh, you're really um using reference images as you said and
0: and that expands over the time and watching what you have on set i think that that's the thing is being responsive to mm -hmm. what you're seeing on the day Mm
1: -hmm. rather than
0: being restricted with what's in your mind
1: yeah, it sounds like a song, Visual Alchemy, I like it, it's
0: mm. good. <laughs> Does anybody else have a question? Um, building on that idea, what's the first kind of thing that you think of? Is it an aesthetic or a message that you want to put across or like a, a concept, I guess? Like what's the first so- thing that comes to mind? So maybe starting a, a, a
1: starting point when you're, you've yeah. listened to a song and you've spent a little time with lyrics and, and, and you're thinking about how to, yeah, how to begin. Do you want to start with that, David?
3: Um, I guess it, it's kind of a mix sometimes because I, I guess sometimes you listen to a song and you get a really strong image out of it and sometimes you may not get as, as much of a, an attachment to it and... I guess you kind of have to listen to it over and over again and kind of you know sift through what it actually it is that you want to do with it um i guess i guess for for me like i guess mainly like uh, like it's mainly if as a director i guess i'm I'm looking for something that I can relate to in the song mm-hmm. like, so that
1: that that image that strikes yeah. you is something that you try and mine
3: yeah yeah, but also something that i guess like works in 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 with the song um I guess yeah, like as it, from a cinematography point of view, uh, it's kind of, you, you know, you kind of have to understand what the director's doing, and, and 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 you kind of need to be in the same line as them, and make sure you're getting the visuals which will work with the mm. with the sound. So it's I guess a constant well. conversation. Yeah, yeah, but um, I guess from like I don't know, like a, like with that War and Peace one, I actually I was really struggling with an idea and um uh i can 't remember how I stumbled upon it. I think I was just looking I was looking up images of death it's basically googled death in snow <laughs> and came, like I was, yeah I was really struggling um, and I came across this photograph of this uh guy face down in the snow, but um his footsteps were in the snow leading up again to, to like to him but he was like face down um, and uh, and I kind of was like well that 's Kind of an interesting photo. Like, like, you mm, know, and, you, and, and you worked backwards? Yeah, and I worked back from there and I found it was this... this uh, I think it was a Swiss writer who basically lost his mind and was institutionalised and he used to write in really, really miniature um, uh, like script on a piece of paper. That's where the, the mm-hmm. papers come from. And like, really minute. Apparently some of them were like a millimetre high and just write like novels on like two pieces of paper um and then yeah one day he went for a walk and had a heart attack in the snow and one of his in like inmates at the institution found him face down like that and to me that was just a, such an amazing image you know that someone mm-hmm. would be face down in the snow just dead by themselves and yeah so that's that was kind of i guess i got i was that instantly struck me and i was like oh I don't know if that really has anything to do with the song, but, but it was like visually like there was something about it that I was just like, oh, okay, like, this will work. You know This is a really good point to work from. So, yeah.
1: Um, if we don't have any more questions, I'm going to hijack audience Q&A. Do we have any more questions? No? Um, and I want to know what you're doing next or what you're looking forward to in 2014. Emma, tell us.
0: Well, I'm currently on Offspring, so... Um, I'm just doing that, but then I'm working on a project with Bjork, so that's my next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are no Bjork fans in this audience. No, <laughs> no. Um, what Can you tell us just a, a wee bit about that?
0: Oh, it's still a project in development, but it's not really strictly a music video. It's a short film of sorts. I'm not quite sure <laughs> how it will evolve, but... Um, but we're at a very early stage in development with that, and um, and hopefully my feature film mm, next year.
1: Fantastic. And and how? At what at what point are you in in relation to development of the feature film?
0: Well, I'm ten years into it. Uh, <laughs> I'm so I'm deep into the film, but um, I feel like we're very close and. Uh, I feel like it will happen, and I haven't had that feeling before. So I'm optimistic, but until I'm standing there in the middle of the Flinders Ranges with a circus in front of me, it's a circus film, um, I'll, I'll just wait. But until then, I'm certainly occupied, which is good. What
2: um, about I'm working on a short film... It's very early stages of pre-production, but looking hopefully to shoot in a couple of months.
1: Mm-hmm. And you feel like you've left music videos somewhat behind you for now?
2: Uh, oh, I, I don't think you can ever really leave them behind. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, like family? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be... you, you know not, I don't ever look at them now as um, a way to generate income or anything like that. They really now, it's about, is there a song that just grabs you? And you've got an opportunity to do to collaborate and be a part of what that song becomes in the public consciousness. Um, so that would still compel me always, I think.
3: But, um, so yes, definitely. More music videos for sure.
1: <laughs> um, and what about you, David?
3: Um, well, I guess I'm continuing freelancing as a cinematographer. And um, yeah, I guess I'm also trying to work on a short film as well. But um, I guess like it's kind of hard sometimes to get caught up shooting and to, to make that you know point where i just stop and go okay i really want to make something of my own mm. um but hopefully yeah it's something i can
1: there's a lot of multitasking going on yeah, in this, yeah, in this was, red couch <laughs> yeah yeah um thank you so much for being part of the conversation yeah. that's felt way too short in many ways And thank you for coming. And uh, we hope you'll keep googling these guys when we see your short films and the feature film come out eventually, which it will. Thank Thank you so much.
0: You have been listening to an ACME podcast. For more recordings of talks and live events, go to ACME Channel and the ACME website.